0: Welcome to I Don't Get It, the pop culture get-up-my-lawn cast. This features the open-minded musings of two mid-40s curmudgeons staring down the prospect of entertainment irrelevance. I'm your co-host, Bill Scurry of American Caesar Enterprises. no, which is a purveyor of fine leather vests for all your leather vest needs.
1: Uh, I My leather vest needs are minimal. They pretty much we, uh, we got you. total not having one and never wearing one and mostly steering clear of people who do wear them. So you know what? I think, Cons- can you fulfill that? Can you fulfill that? Bill?
0: Consider, consider my, my new favorite uh, phrase, consider a non-zero number of leather vests.
1: Okay. Are I just- will consider that and dismiss it. And right. I am joined, as always, by my spectacular co-host. Spectacular. Spectacular, amazing, friendly neighborhood. Uh, my name is Noah Tarno. Web I of Noah am- Tarno. <laughs> the web of Noah Tarno. Uh, what were the other? Uh, uh, Mary Jane loves Noah Tarno. Uh, Where? Comics book geeks. Adjective list. Spider Man jokes. Adjective
0: list Noah Tarno from 1992. Todd
1: McFarland's <laughs> adjective list. No, adjective list. Adjective list. Here's
0: the problem. Word. When people spell your name, they always leave out the dash, you know?
1: Uh, they always leave out the. Yeah, Noah Tarno. It's, Noah It's Tarnow. Noah Tarno. Not Noah Tarno. Noah <laughs> um, very important. I get so okay, two things that piss me off as a grammarian, as a trivia person and as a nerd. People who sell who spell Spider-Man, Spider-Man, like Superman. Spider-Man has no hyphen. It's yeah. Spider hyphen Man. That pisses me off. And even though I have never been a fan of this of this franchise and I've seen maybe two episodes of any of the TV shows, people who spell Doctor Who D R period Who it oh yeah, I I was that. spelled I've been out corrected on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And again, it's a trivia oh, I remember seeing a big ad for a Doctor Who trivia night that spelled DR period. And I'm like, if you get the name of the subject wrong in your yeah. announcement for your trivia event, or off to, or off it to is a bad not start. a good recommendation. Yeah, yeah you're off to good. a very bad start. Uh no, I Okay. I am Noah <laughs> Space Tarno, no hyphen. <laughs> Two Noah words.
0: Space Tarno, three words. Space Tarno, Space Tarno,
1: Space Tarno. Uh, I'm spelling it out.
0: Uh, Jesus.
1: We're having fun today. We're punchy. It's the end of the world, Bill. Uh, I am founder and senior quizmaster of the Big Quiz Thing. The trivia game show is spectacular. We've never done an all-Doctor Who quiz, but if we were to do that, I guarantee you we would, we would spell out Doctor. Um, well, that is my promise to you. As a as a purveyor of high quality trivia entertainment.
0: Well, no. Speaking of um, good vibrations, speaking of bonhomie, yes. speaking of comedy, yes. and a, a yes. warm feeling you get from your entertainment.
1: Get it, getting along, a better world.
0: Yeah, So our topic this week, Jesus. It's I. I don't know why it took so long. I'd say uh, we can get into why why we're, we're we're talking about this now. But this we're, we're, we're a f- little
1: we're a little late to the party. Two seasons.
0: Two seasons late, yeah. you might say. Uh. Yeah. yeah. So we are discussing uh, Ted Lasso, which is a, a an Apple Lasso. TV series. Uh, came out. It debuted in twenty twenty, so this has been out of for a while. We're the last guys uh, that are gonna talk about this. You know, there's really nobody left. Every other podcast has already gotten to it, but um, yes. you know, every
1: think piece has been published. They've
0: all been written, exactly. So, yeah. Uh the second batch of episodes season two, it was ten episodes in season in of twenty twenty. And it was thirteen or twelve dropped this season. I think it was twelve. Twelve, yes. yeah. Slightly bigger order. And
1: and like two months after they renewed it for season two, before they had even started production of season two, they renewed it for season three. Yeah. So there's a season three on the way. Although I believe they've said season three will be it. I believe. I, I, they I can believe
0: that. it. But I mean, what the budget but of this? The budget
1: Yeah, drive a dump truck to someone's home. You never know.
0: The the budget for this is going to be in the Apple in, in Apple's uh, uh, the couch cushions in the Apple office. You can have enough money sitting uh, around to to make this show and ten others like it. Honestly, it doesn't yes, cost that much. Yes. Uh, yes, yeah, so the second episode the second batch of, of episodes season two, I think runs out on uh, the 10th. Uh, so its next weekend is the actual finale season, uh, episode 12 of season two. Uh, so you know, I mean it's kind of timely because this thing is drawing to a close for this season. Uh, this is a Bill Lawrence project, the name you might remember from such programs as Scrubs and Cougartown, among other recent American sitcom notables.
1: He goes way back. He was involved with Sports Night, wasn't he? Or Spin City. Sorry, Spin City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. He's, I get he's, them mixed up in my head. Yeah, Bill
0: Lawrence has been around for a minute, but the, you know, yeah. like
1: that—that that, I mean,
0: Cougar Town was—I went. I it lasted for a couple of years. It was sort of poorly named, but there was a real cult audience around it. And the same thing, Scrubs went for a long time. Uh, that yeah. show held on for a long-ass time. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Bill and the Lawrence... Sec,
1: the second episode of uh, Ted Lasso was directed by my buddy Zach Braff. That's true. Did you see I'm that? Su- Yeah. Was yeah. It, it was
0: just the second one, right? I think he only did one this season.
1: I think he only did... I don't know about season two, but yeah. I did notice directed by Zach Braff, and I haven't noticed it again. Well,
0: so he's so wanted to direct... and You know, Bill Lawrence... I like that Bill Lawrence works with the same people. Again, I've never really watched a single minute of Bill Lawrence TV before, so this, this is, you know... Yeah. It, the guy seems to change. He seems to adapt his style uh, for the network, for the time, for the for the for the actors he's got working for him. Creates a different. And but that's that's a really good uh, TV pedigree, I think, when you can put together different shows that are so dissimilar from one another. Uh, so in this show, Jason Sudeikis, uh, who was formerly a Saturday Night Live cast member for a good number of years, uh, improvisation actor, out born in Chicago, out of Kansas, uh, and had been in New York and Los Angeles ever since. By the way, Noah, did you read who Jason Sudeikis' uh, uncle is?
1: I have heard that, but I can't remember now. Who is it? George Went. Really? Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah, there's a slight, a slight facial resemblance.
0: Well, you know, it's that that midwestern thing, especially with the mustache. Yeah, you know, he's, he's he doesn't have as much meat on him as George Wendt does, but yeah, I mean, I, and who knows what kind of doors George Wendt opens for you? But I don't know, it's yeah. worth hey, it.
1: Hey, you got that, you got that George Wendt pull. By the way, a quick shout out to a friend of ours. I don't know if he's a friend of the show. I don't know if he's ever listened. Jonathan Korbla. Mm-hmm. minor celebrity himself. He's been seen on many a TV game show. He's hosting, and, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Corbello once played a prank on me by telling me everyone in Hollywood George Went is incredibly flaming gay. He's one of the most flaming guys in Hollywood, and it's you know everyone in Hollywood knows, but he's managed to keep it out of the public eye. And and Corbello told me that, and I'm like, yeah, okay, why not? And I brought I br- brought that up to him sometime later, and he's like, no, I completely made that
0: up. It's totally untrue. So <laughs> he was a real Kevin Spacey, huh? Just did a good job. Yeah, he was a real
1: Kevin. Well, no, no accusations of you know harassment. Just that like George Went yeah. was like you know, f- flouncing around backstage to the point like where, Richard, like, like know, Richard, Liberace levels.
0: Richard Chamberlain, uh, Tab Hunter, all these yeah. guys who live double lives. Yeah, all so. those guys. Yeah. yeah,
1: but no, I think his point was, y- you hang out with George Wendt on the set, there's no hiding it. Right. He just has a different persona to the public. Anyway, sure. total, total... Uh, side track. total Sidetrack. Total sidetrack, thank you. So uh,
0: the the titular Ted Lasso is an American collegiate football coach who was brought from Kansas. I guess that's definitely not a coincidence. That's part of the biography written there. And he's hired by a—he's hired Cold, uh, brought in uh, to England, a neighborhood called Richmond, to a fictional team for the for the process of the show. Um, they essentially—they it's they use the aegis of the Premier League, which is the highest English league for soccer, but then they fictionalize the teams, which is better than just trying to, you know— uh, Yeah, they, uh, yeah. I,
1: but they could do that here. I mean, you could see a thing, hey, we made up an NFL team. You know? Yeah, 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 I it mean, is. Why not do that for a sitcom, you know? So, yeah, the owner is this woman named Rebecca Welton. Uh,
0: she's recently divorced from a Rupert Murdoch-type media baron. She's like the second wife, um, and then she's in her late 40s, so she's been overthrown for a younger trophy wife, so that's her backstory. She's sort of dealing with that. Uh, and her idea is to bring in this American rube with the mustache, uh Football play, football coach, American football coach Ted Lasso to, to um, take over the reins of this fictional club in in I guess that's Western, far Western London by Q Gardens. I think yeah, is it's, they would have it's some it.
1: part of London. Yeah, they're in London. Yeah, they're in
0: London. Yeah, they're inside. They're just yeah. a couple of minutes away from uh, Heathrow. Um this is an attempt, of course, it is explicated in the pilot that the reason why she's doing this very uh, unlikely irregular hire is to pretty much destroy the club because her the divorced husband loves it so much, but she got the club in the divorce and so she wants to smash it in front of his eyes and take away this only thing that he's really enjoyed. Uh, th- that's the premise. It starts off with there in episode one and moves on beyond that. Uh, the character itself of Ted Lasso came from a series of promos NBC made in 2013 to tout the fact that they got the um, uh, overseas rights to broadcast English Premier League games in the United States. So they, uh, I don't know if it was um, if it was Sudeikis or if the network came to him, but they created this character of Ted Lasso. If you look at these on YouTube, um, I think it's like a series of two 10-minute um, bumpers, essentially, like little featurettes they did. And it, the character mm-hmm. in the original
1: is different. He's much drier. He, he's a he's a little less sympathetic and friendly, but some of the same jokes in those bumpers oh, yeah, are incorporated yeah, yeah, yeah. And they into play the show. Better, they he's play like,
0: better in the show. That's the thing. But yeah, actually, yeah, yeah they I, took a lot of those same jokes.
1: But but it's it's you know he's a American football coach and he basically knows nothing about soccer. Yeah. And the comedy is like he yells at the at the uh, at a referee during a game. What offsides? Explain to me how that was offsides. No, I mean it really. Yeah, I don't understand. I don't, I don't. How get is it. that offside? <laughs> And, and, and it ends with him, you know, he gets fired. And he says, "Is there a third kind of football I could try?" <laughs> um, I actually thought it was very funny. They're bumpers yeah. are very, very, very. And Sudeikis, I'm jumping the gun here, but in both oh, those yeah. bumpers in the show, he's he's great. He's really a talented dude. Great actor. Great. He's got he's got a
0: thing. You know, he's definitely got a thing. Yeah. Um, so the first season was warmly uh, welcomed on Apple TV. It kind of came out of nowhere. It was unheralded because people didn't watch those bumpers. So this was all a new thing. And and Apple TV. Uh, was looking has been looking for an identity. Apple TV wanted to make a gigantic splash with you know the, the, starting an app from day one with a shitload of like ter- turnkey movies and TV shows, and they had a lot of content. The thing is, it's like with anything, you can't you can't astroturf a network out of out of thin air. And so a lot of the stuff they built for it was like Quibi. Um, it was just like this is a <laughs> it's a high concept. Just so like full- just like Quibi. But it was like it's a bunch of shit that died because they were just trying different stuff that worked. It's like there's no guarantee that some of this stuff worked. I think their highest profile thing is that morning show with uh, Reese Witherspoon, yeah. Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell. But even that is kind of more of a train wreck, from what I understand. Yeah. This this is their I, real. the thing
1: I knew or I had heard of most. I had not watched it. Was uh, for all mankind about the moon landing?
0: Yeah, yeah. That's supposed to be a well cast show. But again, that's kind yeah, of like I, you got to know there were no cele- there
1: were no celebrities. It was just the- the, Just the, character actors for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. anyway, that's no Nobody, but nobody's this, worthless people. Throw your stones. Nobody's.
0: Th- this is performed really well. This is where again where you least expect it. This what this probably fairly cheap to make. Uh show with mostly British actors. Um winds up being a sort of Emmy darling, uh and has multiple Emmy nominations for twenty twenty one. Best series included um, and, you know, the real the real some of the breakouts of the female actors, uh, Hannah Waddingham and uh, Juno Temple, who most American audiences don't have a ton of familiarity with them before, but they have been in uh, stuff. But this is a real real career changer for them and perhaps even for Sudeikis, too, um, who honestly has been um, looking for whatever, like a lot of SNL people. They don't really it's never obvious what your next thing is after you leave SNL. Some people could get into features, but other people like that's what they did. They did sketch comedy and there's not really a graduation because you were already at the highest level of the thing. But Noah, you tipped your hand already. So tell me tell me about your experience with Ted Lasso.
1: Well, uh I had heard about this show, you know, a lot and people have been encouraging me to watch it and I hadn't. And then you said, you know, we should jump on this. I'm like, sure. And then I jumped on it. Um, i It's funny because I knew nothing about the show. I knew it was Jason Tzedekis in a mustache. And I didn't even know it was about soccer. But it's been and, hard to uh, get, you, the, the picture of him, it's been really hard to get away from yeah. the visual. You know it exists. Right, but I, I literally knew nothing. I literally, you know, the opening scene, the first episode is you see people, some pro players practicing soccer and you hear God Save the Queen, the original by the Sex Pistols. We were talking about songs in the show and, they paid for that. They paid for Diamond Dogs by David Bowie. A few others I'm not remembering now. And um, so I literally knew nothing about it, but based on it being Sudeikis, I thought it was kind of like a Parks and Rec kind of discomfort, wacky, not really realistic comedy. So I yeah. was very surprised. I mean, it's got the
0: look it. of it. It looks like one of those Michael Schur comedies. It has that right. visual thing, you know?
1: It, it looks like it, but that's not what it is at all. And in terms of what I thought about it, you know, to say, to, to use a cliche that Ted might use, although he might be more clever about it, the proof is in the pudding. Uh, I watched all 10 episodes of season one this week and I am looking forward to watching season two. This show is delightful. Um, you know, I did tip my hand. It's very well acted. Sudeikis is terrific. I mean, he, the writers, I mean, he's one of the producers, Brett Goldstein, who's a cast member, <laughs> maybe, might be a CGI creation. <laughs> That's a we were talking about that. That's a ridiculous conspiracy theory out there that one of the characters is a CGI creation. Assuming he's not, he's played by this British comedian Brett Goldstein, who's one of the writers. Um, very well acted. You know whether Sudeikis is excellent. It is well plotted. You know the 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 very end of season one. I don't want to give too much away, but I don't want to say cliffhanger, but it's it, almost literally an edge on your seat episode. Very exciting. Twists and turns. You, you, you kind of And, lo- and logically done, too. Clothes. It's like the, everything that logically preceded done. Yeah, very right. much logical. Yeah. Right. Uh, I've said many times I am not a sports fan, generally speaking, but I like sports movies. And I like sports TV shows for reasons I'll get into. And this really makes a lot of hay from it being about sports. You know, the conflict is in some ways built in. Um, I am a bit of an Anglophile. I love London is my favorite city in the world. I miss it. I'm hoping to go back someday. And I love London, and just seeing people living in London or any British place just kind of makes me happy. Um, and the they make some hay on the show, too, with the contrast between America and England. You know, Ted's discomfort, learning about stuff, uh, and they, they keep that sort of comedy of America versus British. Uh, the details are fresh and are clever. Um, very well-written, great lines. There's an awesome moment. It might even be the first episode where you – you're meeting uh, Jamie Tart, who's the star player on the team at the beginning. And he's one of the least sympathetic characters. He's, he's you know, he's like a Beckham type. I don't know if David Beckham's really like this. But he's worshipped and he's very full of himself. And I believe and he's, and he's good, asking, too. He's, he's, he's good. Yeah. Yeah. And Ted's asking people, like, would you rather be an elephant or a panda or something like that for some reason? And Jamie's answer is something like, I'm me. Why would I want to be something else? And Ted says, I had to write down this line. I'm not sure you realize how psychologically <laughs> healthy that is. Yeah. It's a good uh, delivery too. Just, just an example of just these throwaway jokes. that are just funny. Uh, Rebecca, you know, his boss is talking about, you know, there's gossip and the sun, one of the gossip papers. And she says, so Ted, I spoke to the owner of the sun. And Ted yells, <laughs> you spoke to God. <laughs> uh, if I'm going to nitpick. Really quickly, there's very little nitpick here. Uh, I find Rebecca's character to be inconsistent. You know, they they tell you in the first episode she wants to tank the team, but then there are times she's very sweet and very giving, and she really cares. But then there are times she doesn't. And then like, why is she hanging out with the Keeley character at the beginning? Like, she's friendly with the lower level people, but then she's being driven around in a Rolls Royce. Like, I find her character a little inconsistent. I also find the sentimentality sometimes is extreme to the point of fantasy um one of those last episodes sorry when nate is promoted and everyone basically has like a giant party for him because he's promoted uh no job i've ever been in that happens to anyone being promoted it just it felt a little a little annoyingly unrealistically sentimental but for the most part this show and this is what a lot of the discourse is about is so comforting it is a comfort food tv show uh Vox, Vox has a lot of writing about this. I read Vox a lot anyway, and they, they called it a fantasy about nice white guys. Ted is the nicest guy on Earth. If every white, cis, straight American southern man were Ted Lasso, we would be living in goddamn motherfucking utopia because he cares about people. He listens, he's clever he's vulnerable, he admits his mistakes, he's open-minded, he is in no way racist, he is in no way sexist, right? He has no problem working for a female boss, he makes a joke about God being female. Um, That's true, I like that is, line, yeah. Right, he is open-minded about, you know, he's got a couple questions about the the, the black player from Nigeria, but in the most vulnerable, open-minded, friendly way possible. Uh, And this show is the way we wish the world were. And it's not just we wish guys like, you know, guys that look like Ted Lasso were so fucking nice and awesome and caring and hardworking and vulnerable. But my God, multiple times in season one, they literally say, oh, it's 2020. And you go, oh, my God, there's no pandemic going on in the world of this show. Yeah, that's true. And and, and the streets are clean, and the biggest problem is a soccer match, or, oh, even Rebecca's having this, quote-unquote, bitter divorce from Rupert, but... It's not like he beat the shit out of her. Like even, Ru- you know, Jamie's a bad guy, but then we learn like even he can change. And then we find sympathetic reasons for why he's a bad guy. And even Rupert, who might be the closest thing to a completely bad guy in the show, he, he-, he loses, sorry to give too much away, he loses a darts competition. The guy admits he lost. Like we can't even get that from rich, powerful white guys. These days. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah. he accepts defeat gracefully. Like, let's give us give us that at least. No, I think you're putting uh, it really
0: well. You know, if anything, he's, you know, he's a Ted, Ted Lasso is a counterpart to Leslie Nope. You know, like I don't yeah, think, yeah. I don't know if, I can't really say clearly if we've had a male counterpart to that type of character, but we have seen this type of character in a place where you expected it, which is a woman who is this benign, a woman who is this capable, a woman who is this ever you know a positive and, and you know a plum to a, to you know a degree. To, to the nth degree. And that's why it almost feels da- not dangerous but sort of iconoclastic to do this with a, like you say a white man with a mustache from from the the midwest. It almost feels like it's it's you know, uh it's it's weird, it's aberrant, it's dangerous in some way, you know?
1: Yeah, it's um anyway, it's a great show and and I mean, I'll get into a lot of this with the why why it's popular. Uh I mean, it's because I'm like everyone else, it worked on me. Uh but you know, Ted, not only is he nice, he wears down everyone's bitterness. Just yeah. about every character yeah, yeah, warms yeah, up yeah. to him. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this does not apply to the real world. I mean, people are, you know, people are explicitly comparing Ted to President Biden. And, you know, he ran a campaign of, like, Donald Trump's an asshole, I'm a nice guy. And everyone I know who very eagerly voted for Biden but is not that engaged in politics— is is tells me they're so much happier now because they just know the president is a guy who cares. It's funny, and of course, Sudeikis played Biden on SNL. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, and we're that's not the you know look at the way people react to Biden and the way Biden's agenda is is approached by half the country. Uh, we want to believe that a nice, caring guy who listens and whatever you could disagree that Biden's really all that, but that's certainly the the character he's at least trying to portray. Um, you know assholes are being assholes you know th- this theory that was the Obama fantasy very much and, and part of what I thought his biggest flaw was he just thought if you sit down with people and you approach them as human beings you can solve all problems but it's not the way the world works anymore certainly maybe not ever you know some people just don't want to listen or don't want to argue in good faith or don't care and it's just so comforting to fantasize that they do and that problems are solvable just by being a human being.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know So,
1: uh, you know, it's it's very comforting There's
0: show. a thing when you talk about Ted wearing people down with his optimism and his uh, positivity and his sort of warm avuncular av father av uh, thing. <laughs> you know,
1: it, it happens really Av, good. av, have have put put Petra it's got to be like patri Petch, Yeah, yeah.
0: You get, you get my point. It, it uh, happens in a yeah. real,
1: logical, sensical way
0: where they don't take. They don't have to take shortcuts because it. If you buy into the premise that this show is not operating on our reality, it's sort of a better, heightened reality where again nice people prosper, and uh, people want to gravitate towards nice people and positivity, which is you know that's the thing at the beginning. There's a lot of these. Um, sourest piss Englishman. There's a couple of these players on the team who are really cynical, really baleful, dolorous types. There's this, like you said, the self-absorbed striker. You mentioned Jamie Tart. There's the older captain who's in the zenith of his years. Uh, and what, what,
1: what is it? One of his first things when he meets Ted is like, yeah, I never thought I'd be coached by Ronald fucking McDonald.
0: <laughs>
1: and the, the yeah, owner of the team
0: is this person who, you know,
1: again, everybody, they, they put him far
0: enough apart in different directions that they almost form like a star pattern on paper. You know, and the question is, well, how do you how do you bring these dis- disparate things together and how do you make it work? And it's like it's it's the magic of. Um, you know, Bill Lawrence is the producer and, and having a lot of the actors have input and say on how the show goes. Those things really work well. And that is the real modern mold, you know, where I don't think in the old days, as well as Cheers was run, as, as, as well as Taxi was run. I don't think they were asking Judd Hirsch to come in and, you know, and do read throughs in the writer's room, you know, to, to spitball ideas. I think that that is a real way... In which um, TV these days, especially streaming TV with the budget that these things have and, you know, the way you have to make this, of course, this was made during pandemic. It doesn't refer to it at all, uh, but it's made differently. You know, there's something more intimate. This has the thumbprint of all the people who are on board with it. You know, and before we pivot, there's one there's only one thing I did not like about the season. To the point where I almost rolled my eyes a little bit whenever I saw it. Luckily, they they kind of backburned it a little bit. Like Ted has this thing where he's going through a divorce, which to me felt almost completely tacked on. It was almost unnecessary. It was supposed to add a little bit of pathos to him you know rather than just be this it's, mis- a,
1: it's a way in to show his vulnerability and his right. sadness and he's it, not just mr happy-go-lucky all it's supposed time. to give you some depth a little darkness to yeah. him and
0: it's like I, to, to be honest i don't think sudeikis is the best actor in that i don't think that that's what his strength is as an actor and, and to be on and, and furthermore some of the things that he's attempted to do in movies um the problem is that they've looked like that and I mean he was in the Jesse Owens movie Race with Chadwick Bozeman and he's you know, he's he's had small bits and pieces of different things. And the, the problem is when he looks like he's being serious, his comedy is was so successful and the way he did this sort of, you know, blank dryness, this, this locked gaze on you. That it almost makes the serious stuff still look like it's comedy, and and sometimes actors get stuck with this. Like you know, you can have a problem like looking at Steve Carell sometimes and not seeing like Michael Scott. Not not saying he can't do a good job, but it's like I could, would I believe Jack Black in a dramatic role. Maybe I could, but I think I'm always going to see that that you know gigantic, you know uh, Captain Caveman shape zipping around the screen, uh on, you know in <laughs> one of his many things. It's like and it's hard to take that guy seriously if he's going to try it. So I think that handicap it's just a little bit in this but luckily it doesn't dwell on that pathos this is a bit of surprising news from the other side of the atlantic afc richmond announced the hiring of
1: their new manager one theodore ted lasso of course recently it was coach lasso leading the division two wichita state shockers to their first ever national title i think the reasons we like it kind of get it why it's popular why it's such a hit why everyone seems to be talking about it, but is, you know, is there anything we haven't really uh, touched upon yet? Uh,
0: well, no, I, I did. I had to have a very specific thought about this, it, you know, auguring, but well, not auguring, but calling back to what you'd said earlier. Um, but I, I was thinking, no, it, um, this show is so, uh, it, it's in England. It's shot in England. It's it's 98% English actors. And yet this is a show for Americans uh, yeah, it is. You know, it's it actually is. I don't think the I'm I don't sure think it is. I don't think they actually are watching it over in the UK. I think it really is a hit over here. I'm not saying that people aren't watching it in in England, but I think that this this is this is an American show. Uh, it just happens to be set in England with all these English recipes. Uh this English ingredients in the recipe, and that's kind of amazing. At first I was thinking, "Oh, was this made for like uh TV4 or or um, you know, ITV or or Channel 4 or whatever, BBC?" and it's like No, it really resembles uh, Parks and Rec. It really resembles the NBC mold of of, of shows. And that's Apple TV is really glomming onto the American build. But anyway, so that's like, why is that popular? You know, incorporating some of those things. I mean, this is a well made piece of classic American sitcom fiction. Yeah. With a friendly face as the lead for all the reasons you said, how benign and how much of a fantasy figure it is. And he absolutely is a fantasy figure. You know, he's he's indefatigable and how positive he is. Uh, you know, and the man who's playing him, the person who's playing him, broke the ice with the viewing public dec- a decade and a half ago on SNL. So you've already you already had a handshake with with Jason Sudeikis. Um, and this this is the thing I, I kind of distilled, which is that the hooky premise of the fish out of water is always intriguing when it's done well. Um, and I think that, like you said, the Anglophilia thing, you know, there there is this part of the show which even after i've watched 10 episodes it's still using it it hasn't expended it it hasn't spent it that uh the idea of a yankee going to london you know our closest lingual and cultural match um there's still no
1: next next to canada
0: yeah or you know you know what I mean it's further away, but, but it's like there's still an alien nature, but it's like I think that we yeah. as Americans, you know we have an idea of what you think English are like, what you think London's like. And so you know Ted bringing his Americanness and not not assimilating, not integrating, but but not sticking out obstinately for bad reason, not waving a flag and being a jerk as an expat yeah is, is kind of that's another fantasy. that's another trope. It's like he gets to yeah. be American and hang around with the English. And sort of just dwell on those those you know slight he, what should look like slight character slight cultural differences, but actually are quite he, large.
1: He, he's such he's such a terrific American ambassador, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because and that's, yeah, the, totally, that's that is totally. textual
0: for the show. You see him doing the work, and that the, the characters grudgingly give that to him. You know.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you're 100 percent right. All the reasons we like it are the reasons it's popular. Uh, A Better World, A Better 2020, and actually getting at what you said, here's a quote from uh, one of those uh, Vox articles. He's a fantasy of an American white maleness that actually uses its power and privilege for the good of others. And it's like I said, if every cis, straight, white, Midwestern, mustached guy with an old-fashioned haircut were like Ted Lasso, you know— Human, we would be living in the absolute fucking best of all possible worlds, and we want to believe that's possible, and we want to believe there are elements of that out there, especially as now that there's a backlash, you know, most vocal backlash ever against the white cis whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, which is what we've always known and trusted, and this is what you say why it's an American thing, more a British thing. It's an American thing to believe that, you know the world is run by people like this. The people like this are authority. They are trust. Yeah, they're canny and capable. Yeah, something that always stuck with me, seeing um, someone interviewing Trump supporters in, I think, 2016, you know, when he was first running, and people who said, like, one of the reasons they don't support Hillary is, I think, and this is actually a woman saying this, I think the presidency is a job for a man. And it really distills just... You know, that's the default. Those are the people who run things, and those are the people, this idea that those are the people who should run things. They are the people we know and we trusted, and more and more and more it's coming out that, like, they are, you know, at best they are no more trustworthy than other types of people, and at worst they have abused that trust considerably to the point where they are on average possibly less trustworthy. And Ted redeems the thing we grew up believing, saying no, there are white guys who are as trustworthy, as nice as they come. We want to believe that our trust is well-placed, or at least that it can be well-placed. And Ted argues for that. There's also the thing, like I said, saying it's 2020 and there's no pandemic, we want to believe that nothing is true. You know, things are dire right now. There's no, there's no sugarcoating it. And we want to believe that things aren't that bad, or at least we can get back to a world where things aren't that bad, that all problems are, are solvable that no one is truly evil. Like I said, even Jamie, the the asshole, is sympathetic. You know, you see his his armor being broken down somewhat, and then of course at the end of the season you get the reveal that he's basically, you know, he's basically been abused by his father. He's like a
0: uh, uh what is the, the Andre Agassi, you know, a guy who's probably just driven to play this sport by a real right. over
1: overbearing father. Right. So so he has an excuse for being an asshole. And again, I was thinking who are the characters who are completely unsympathetic? And the only notable character who I think that is Rupert, is Anthony Head's character. Anthony, of course, was Giles on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, you know, even though you don't, he's a complete asshole. Again, he accepts defeat. And he's an asshole. He's not really evil. He can't rewrite reality.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. He's just a jerk. He's just a jerk. He's not murdering people. Right. (laughs) Uh, And that a nice guy can wear down all bitterness. You know how they came up with soccer? So, these Victorian era headmasters, all they wanted to do was get the boys to stop
0: masturbating. So, Ooh. they invented a sport where the boys wouldn't use their hands at all. And they thought that might do the trick. Not sure if it worked, but. Okay, uh, tell me if you would like Ted Lasso Noah as a kid. I'm thinking I, I'm well, thinking I can guess how this is going to work.
1: Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know. It's funny because when I was considering this question, you know, I realized something like. When I was a kid, if you had asked me what my favorite type of TV show was, I would have told you sitcoms. Yeah, yeah, sure. I just thought, in my mind, the sitcom was the default TV show. And by the way, for several years, for some reason, I would have told you my favorite sitcom was Different Strokes. Like, to me, that was like the king of sitcoms. Yeah, sure. And I'm not sure why, even to the point where I remember, I remember this first learning about segregation and— um, you know blacks and black and white kids couldn't play together in so many parts of the country, you know, just a few decades ago. And I remember my thought went to, are you saying if I were friends with Gary Coleman, he couldn't come over to my house? Like that was my dream become friends with Gary Coleman. <laughs> um, but I think there were so many sitcoms I watched and liked just because they were on. you know, this is something kids now don't realize. Yeah, that. there were so many fewer entertainment options. We watched shows because they were on. They were delivered watched- to us, yes. Right. I watched the gold, You know, the Golden Girls are Designing Women, these shows that were in no way made for 10, 11-year-old boys. We watched them. Why? Because they were odd. And frankly, especially in the case of the Golden Girls, they were well-written and well-done enough that they had something even to appeal to an 11-year-old. Nowadays, an 11-year-old would never watch the Golden Girls. No. Because why well, would you watch a show it, about It wasn't the siloed women, right? back then. I, I, I agree right. with that. Yes. Exactly. There's a thousand other shows to watch. So, you know, if this had been on the Friday night lineup of NBC... I certainly would have watched it even though soccer had no appeal to me, right? I would have given it a shot. And, you know, maybe the SNL connection with Jason Sudeikis because I always love SNL from the time I was seven years old. I didn't stay up that late. I recorded on my VCR. Um, so I probably would have given it a try, and I think it's good enough that once I watched it, I would have been hooked. Mm-hmm.
0: I think well, that, I uh, yeah, I mean, when you do come, when you come of age the, the way we did, I think you do learn this uh, language of sitcoms and comedy. It's a very easy one to, to, it's a lens to see culture through. And yeah, I agree with you on SNL and all that stuff. I mean, before I picked up movies as the sort of uh, lingua franca of dealing with culture and looking at art, it was TV and it was the sitcom more so. As much as I watched all those shows on NBC in the 80s, you know, the A-teams and the Knight Riders and those things. I mean, the real mana was comedy.
1: It's it's pronounced the Team's A is the, the teams, proper way to say it.
0: The Team's A. The Team's A and the Riders Knight. Yeah, the Riders Knight. Uh, and... and Watching Benson, watching uh, Just the Ten of Us, uh, watching—what's the other one with uh, Kurt Cameron? Uh, What the fuck was that show I'm thinking of?
1: Growing Pains. Growing Pains, I find it funny that you think of Just the Ten of Us. Growing Pains was on for like 15 seasons. Just the Ten of Us was a Growing Pains spinoff that lasted like one season. No, it was not— Hilarious that you— can't remember Growing Pains, but you remember just the ten of them.
0: That was like five seasons. You, you forget that some of these really? shows, yeah, lasted for okay. a bunch of times. Did, yeah, and that
1: it was a sp- it was a off of Growing Pains. And one of
0: the true. daughters was Heather Langenkamp, right. who was on yes, uh, the from, the Freddy uh, movies.
1: Yeah, she was. She was. Uh, I'm your girlfriend. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, she was Nancy. Right. Yeah. yeah. However, like, anyway. Right?
0: So, yeah, th- there's no there's no way I would not have watched this as a kid. Um, again, it's like I like that what you say about the Golden Girls where when when stuff isn't siloed to you, it's almost like picking up books that your parents have in their shelf and stuff that you're probably not old enough to read, not necessarily for content, but just it's like for reading level. That's how you get this curiosity for adult culture is by watching stuff that's not siloed for you and reading stuff that's not siloed for you. I mean, we didn't have Raffy tapes. You know, we didn't have uh, Teletubbies. We didn't have Yu-Gi-Oh uh, uh, stuff. That I mean, we had cartoons and stuff like that. But I think that we fully expected to eat a lot of our parents' uh, media um, just by attrition, just just by brush off, just by osmosis, and that's exactly what this stuff did. I mean, on, on the other hand, this show is better made than any of the sitcoms that we saw as kids and this this, this sitcom is more quadrant-y than any of those sitcoms were too so I mean, it has natural advantages over what the state of the art was in the 80s uh, 80s and 90s and even going back to the 70s and stuff like that I mean you th- think of it was like they, they had a show Soap right Soap was on I think from yeah. 70 77 to 80 it was a quick thing and, and Benson was the spinoff from Soap which is even weirder to think too and um, but, but it's like that show was a mockery of soap operas, you know, which soap operas are already so heightened that a mockery of a mockery. It's almost like a mockery of a mockery. And then what soap did in 1978 was play it so dry that it was, in fact, its own soap. It was a mockery, but then it actually did the thing it was making fun of. That's layers of shit in there. And I watched that show. You know when it was in repeats when I was like seven and eight years old. I loved it. I did yeah. not
1: understand it at all, but I loved it.
0: I know, and yeah. it's like, but you get the idea that it's like, oh, I that's where Billy Crystal came from, and I remembered that, yeah. and that's where Jessica Hellman uh, came from, and it's like, and I remembered that, and that's where you, Catherine get the, Hellmand. Catherine Hellman, Catherine Hellman, her yeah, character right, right. was named
1: Jessica. That's get that's, it straight, man. Hey, how y'all doing? I'm Ted Lasso, your new coach. You must be Miss Welton. No, oh, please call me Rebecca. Miss Welton's my father. If that's a joke, I love it. If not, I cannot wait to unpack that with you. So, Bill, uh, not just the Ted of Us, but Ted Lasso. Are there any factors of its success and and or existence that augur the apocalypse, the end of mankind slash womankind, as we know it.
0: Uh, no, and, and, and you know, I didn't mention this before, but this is the first one of these that actually I did watch the entire compliment. Usually you can't get me to watch more. Even if it's a show I kind of like, I just, I feel like it's a slog to get through the um, ten, five hours of the show. But in this case, I watched the entire, I blew right through it. it. It was the first time I think I was really inclined to just devour the whole thing. I haven't had a, watching, a viewing experience like that. Usually with the shows we've I've, I've not liked like the Bridgertons and, and and the bullshit like that it's like God it's enough to watch two and a half three episodes <laughs> and it's like I get the point yeah. I don't care about I know it. you you
1: you make, you usually make it ten minutes in and one article online and you're done and the multi
0: screen multi screen experience yeah no it's like so I I gobbled all ten of these and I'm very looking forward to watching by the way uh, no, so, no not the apocalypse the whole Apple TV thing you know what really. The fact that you can't do shows a la carte like this is that's a fucking problem for me because I don't I'm not of the mind to subscribe to Apple TV, especially if there's just one show. You've got to give me a better way to get it other than buying a service. And so without yeah. without being yeah,
1: it should. Yeah. OK, so how would you feel if like you could also get this on Hulu, but you just pay a discreet amount for season one, almost like buying the DVD set? Yeah. How would you feel about that? Uh, I feel like they should have that option. You don't have to pay for Apple TV, but you could pay for just Ted Lasso. Boom. One payment done. I get get
0: why they think that putting your arm behind your back and and pushing up against the wall, this is what gets you to subscribe to Apple TV. I mean, Christ, they handed out when you were buying a a MacBook anywhere from like 2020 to to recently, they were just throwing Apple subscriptions for a year. Thinking that, oh, you know, you'll just, you know, you start, you get a free subscription for a year and you'll just, you'll just grandfather it and keep paying for it on and on and on. But it's like, I'm not, I'm so disinterested in buying another network, especially one like Apple, which has no identity. Aside from this show, I don't see anything else that I want. Anyway, that, that's besides the point. But, but I was going to say, no, uh, there's no sign of the apocalypse here. But the thing, you know, what was one of my skepticisms, even up to the second I pressed play. Was that I thought, um, you know, hungry creators like Bill uh, Lawrence and or Sudeikis could could sell a commercial, you know, a bumper back to the network um, as a piece of narrative programming, you know, yeah, like
1: it's a it's a good bumper and they they expanded upon it in a good way. I'm, ju- I'm
0: just saying I didn't know any of those. I didn't watch a single bit of it. I knew the origin and that's why I was like, ah. It's like you're selling me a fucking. It's like this would be like Ronald McDonald the TV show. You well, know? you
1: remember when they had that? They tried the sitcom of the Geico cavemen. Yes, that?
0: I watched the pilot <laughs> just to see how fucking bad it was. Then they do I a mean, crash test. They've dummies? been doing
1: that shit for years. They 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 did video games based on the Noid. I mean, they did video games based on the fucking you know the 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 chuck wagon. For oh, the, uh, the chuck wagon. How about Max Headroom? We
0: forget about Max Headroom too.
1: No, Max Headroom. Yeah, he was.
0: He was a pitch. man, and then he got a TV show. No, on NBA, I thought on the pitch man came later. No, I no, the pitch no. Pitch man came later. P- there's Max Headroom first.
1: He was the Coke ad first. Yeah,
0: and then he became a TV I don't show. Think so. Trust I honestly me don't one. think so. Trust I'm looking
1: that one. up. All right, I, you, you, you can be wrong, man. No, no, but
0: then, um, then it's like ultimately, right? What the fuck difference does it make if if it's the uh, you know you got good production values, great pedigree for creator, it winds up being a success? It's like who the hell cares if the Ronald McDonald Show was great? Then it's like give me the Ronald McDonald Show. This was great. So whatever I skepticism I had, it's just trammeled right on top of it.
1: Max Headroom started to host a music video program, 1985. Uh So, uh, Max Headroom originally appeared in the British-made cyberpunk TV movie, Max Headroom, 20 Minutes into the Future, which was broadcast April 4th, 1985, and that led to the TV show. So, you were wrong. I don't think I was wrong,
0: even though in spite of what you said. Okay, so
1: you're telling me Wikipedia is wrong? How is that possible? (laughs) Anyway, do you think this is an apocalyptic element? Do you know about the Max Headroom uh, signal hijacking incident? Yeah, right. That was the thing, it's, weird, it's, the, it's, the weird it's thing. It's so fucking, oh, it's such a fucking awesome story. Yeah. Read it. Yeah. The Max Headroom uh, signal intrusion incident. It is literally one of my favorite media stories of all time. Anyway, read about it. Max Headroom signal intrusion incident. Look that up. All right. Uh, I, as much as I really enjoy the show, there's a couple ways this might be a sign of the apocalypse. One, there was a New Yorker article about this, and the headline said, Ted Lasso can't save us and while i think that headline was a little clickbaity it was basically making the argument like a fictional nice guy only goes so far and kind of like we were saying you know the 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 fantasy of the nice you know m- vanilla white guy who's always had the power isn't enough you know he, he's using his power to be nice and it, it's we can dream it all we want but it doesn't really work um, this leads me to. I mentioned the mistake, the biggest mistake I personally feel that Barack Obama made, and perhaps a mistake President Biden's making, although I think he's better about it than I was afraid he would be, is this idea that we just need to sit down and be nice and we'll solve all our problems. Um, it doesn't work that way. You got to fucking fight in this day and age. So we can't just count on the Ted Lasses of the world using their privilege to sit down, get all the sides together, get consensus, get everyone to be reasonable. It ain't going to work if we're going to save humanity. So if people fall for that and continue to believe that, we will, we will sink below the waves even further. That's one thing. The other thing is this. We hinted at this conspiracy. This fun conspiracy—did we mention Uh, this yet? No, not not really. Before we were recording. Okay. Anyway, there's a fun conspiracy about Ted Lasso out there that the character of Roy Kent, the aging team captain, played by Brett Goldstein, who's a writer for the show as well, British comedian, there's a conspiracy theory that he is not a real character. He is a CGI creation. They say he is odd-looking. I don't really think so. His beard is too perfect. And they, the theory is that Apple created the show and they saw the show as an opportunity to test out something which totally logical. Apple want to test this out. The idea of completely CGI actors and that maybe there's an actor doing the voice. But the character is when we see him on the screen, he is CGI. He is not really there. And this is only a sign of the apocalypse, the show. If the conspiracy theory is true and we will get to a point where there are no entertainers. There are no performers. It is all done by CGI. It's all just blue, Which, hey, blue avatar people. Could be someday. So if this is the first major popular example of that and we are being fooled by it, then yes, it's a sign of the apocalypse. I don't think that's likely, but I think the chances of it being true are not zero. What are you doing in there? Oh,
0: ah. oh shit. I'm sorry. Are you all right?
1: Yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. It's okay. No, I was just, I was making some adjustments to the locker room here. Nice.
0: Yeah. Though, I
1: believe it's
0: crooked. Jealousy. Do you feel it? Do you not feel it?
1: Yep, totally. I'm jealous of the more gentle world in which Ted Lasso takes place. Um, I'm jealous of both Ted and uh, Coach Beard in the first season sleep with fabulously beautiful women that, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to complain for myself, but uh, I spent much of my 20s wishing that could be the truth for me. Uh, And I'm also jealous that these players are in good health. And as I get old, my my legs hurt a lot. <laughs> and I'm becoming jealous of anyone who can run up and down a field with no consequences. Uh, also, as usual, I'm jealous of anything SNL related. So anything Jason Sudeikis does that doesn't suck, I'm going to be jealous of. Yeah, I, you
0: know, I scopped at this at the start, like I mentioned. It's, it's origins
1: as a product bumper, pushing soccer. I
0: had, there was a couple of different bullshit pieces of skepticism that were just there from seeing, you know, it, it, things that were written up about it, hearing about it on a podcast. I really got the wrong impression. So ultimately, you know, we, I missed the boat on it and it, it took me until the end of season two, the timing of season two to watch it. And that's foolish of me. I mean, I keep thinking that oh, you know, we probably should have done this last year. The freshness is yeah, off. The freshness is off.
1: lasso, a little bit. But people though... are still talking about it. I know. Everyone well, keeps. You it's... know, I vaguely heard about it last year, but now everyone's like, "You need to watch it. Have you watched it?" You know. And you know. It's, you know. Right. You I don't know think what it's, it's too. I don't think it's too late, man. Yeah,
0: yeah, happened. but it's like right, it's not too late, but at the same time, it's, it's like too it...
1: late to do Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Well, unless
0: unless we do the animated series, uh, that kind of thing.
1: All right, so uh, um, that would be great. They should do that. It's the, uh, a remake has been in development hell for ten years, so and an, yeah,
0: it is hell. That is for sure. All right, fallopian yeah. scale, Noah. Let's talk about the uh, things, yeah. of all fallopian things scale, from the Jimmy fraud Fallon,
1: diavalian scale, yeah.
0: <laughs> the Peter Peter Starmarian scale. Uh, where does where does this fall, <laughs> where, where does this fall on the scale for you?
1: So on the on the fraud diavalian scale. Here's where I put this. So this is somewhere within spitting distance of the top. So I compared it to the things that come to mind Is the TV shows we've looked at in the past that were among my favorites. And two that come to mind are Key and Peele. I think I've said it many times. I think those two guys are comedy geniuses. You know what we should do an episode on? We should watch Schmigadoon. Everyone's telling me Schmigadoon is oh, great. Oh, God. I don't know if I could do that. Yeah, you may be right because really? Nick Nadell uh, also mentioned that too. Yeah, you don't like musicals. No, that'd, a that'd be a real slog. I love Keegan-Michael Keel, Keegan-Michael Keel, Keegan-Michael, Jesus, Keegan-Michael Key. Thank you. It's not that hard. And I think Cecily Strong is fucking awesome. So maybe we'll look at that. Uh, Okay, so here are the shows, the two shows that come to mind, Key and Peele and American Vandal, right? But both of those shows, I think, dig a little deeper than this show. You know, Ted Lasso's Comfort Food, but I don't think it really – is great art in the way those are, and that it says something. It makes a statement. It's thought provoking. Both of those shows are. So take the average of Key and Peele and American Vandal, which is pretty fucking high, and two thirds of that, maybe half of that, maybe three fifths, and you are at Ted Lasso.
0: You know, you don't. You guys don't see this. I'm looking at the camera, but Noah actually wears a lab coat for this uh, section, pretty much, and, and he glasses wore, he, and so, a yeah, pocket the protector. Very... The glasses are very important because you I can have lose, a
1: protractor in my back pocket. You could
0: suffer eye damage making this sort yes. of like high level. Um, yeah, you might not wear yes. proper eyewear.
1: I also, can suffer nerve damage to my upper thighs.
0: <laughs> Noah also has an eye wash station behind him too, just in yes. case something goes <laughs> something, something goes weird. He can just exactly. he's there to flush yes. his uh, his ocular. We, we, uh, cur- we have
1: about. an an eye wash station and a de radiation chamber in. I don't get it, of course. By the way, I remember watching a lot of episodes of the old Batman TV show around 1990, uh, and friend of the show, Adam Starling, hanging out a lot with him at the time, he and I were watching Batman, and one of the late episodes of Batman, which, if you've watched, is just the most awesome, but one of the most ridiculous shows ever. Batman in the Batcave has a D- I don't even remember what they called it. Basically, the villain has taken Batman, Robin, and Batgirl and reduced them to two-dimensional cardboard cutouts. And Batman has a chamber. Alfred puts them in the chamber to de-whatever them. And that was the last straw for Adam Starlin. He's like, I can believe everything else, but the fact that Batman already has this in the Batcave is too much for me. It's really some
0: 3D chess uh, on the part of uh, Adam West. Ruined the show
1: for him. Yes, pretty much, yes. Well, not Adam West. Batman, motherfucker. Bruce Wayne, Batman.
0: My own calculus in this respect is to add two things that were not TV shows because I wanted to get out. I didn't want to compare a TV, to, a TV show to a TV show. I wanted to be more charming. Why do that?
1: Right. Why compare like to like? Why be right. logical
0: And that's that. why I came up with the idea of if we cross Free, bit, free Britney with sea shanties because it's positive, it's a little old-fashioned in one respect, and it's got, it's, it has its heart in a warm place to lift up spirits in a bullshit age.
1: I don't see the free britney connection at all. Don't worry it's a I mean niche. there's so not there, there's it's <laughs> Take my word for it. Wait, you actually think I thought about this? Come on, man. Uh, But, Bill, tell people how they can listen to older episodes of the show.
0: Okay. Those are very very easily retrievable on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Stitcher. And tweet to us at Noah and Bill's show. Talk sound off. Listen to what you have to say and talk back to us. Write to us, Noah and Bill don't get it, at gmail.com. Give us a review on the aggregators. I'm on Twitter, at William making a lot of hay, putting up pictures of uh, various uh, things in the Netherlands I like to take photos of. There's beauty around every corner here, Noah. And also on YouTube, youtube.com slash amcaesar. Where can people find you?
1: So as I mentioned at the top of the show, I'm all about the big quiz thing, bigquizthing.com. No Doctor Who events at the moment. Uh, We we pretty much do private and corporate quiz events uh, for clients all over the country, all over the world. These days, mostly virtual, but we are back in the in-person world. More or less Uh, Hybrid We're doing hybrid events now Those are fun Um, I got an event I'm hosting A week from tonight It's just a crowd Full of people All in one room And me on the big screen So that's It's going to be an adventure Uh, We're perfecting that So learn all about it At BigQuizThing.com We do an occasional event Open to the public A lot of fundraisers Great ways to support Good causes And uh, you know We're somewhat On the social media The media social Facebook uh, Twitter Instagram BigQuizThing Yeah BigQuizThing.com
0: all right, everybody, until uh, on our, on our uh, March 200 episodes, now we're getting very close. Yes, getting yeah. there, getting yeah. there. So until our next wonderful episode, we, we don't, don't get it.
1: it. A production of American Caesar Enterprises 2021.